Welcome to the show and thank you for taking the time to check us out. If you could real quick, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube, that would help me out quite a bit and help me hit my goal of a thousand subscribers by the end of the year. I'm getting real close. So I appreciate you if you could subscribe or get someone else to do it to subscribe. If you've already subscribed, uh, I would appreciate that. Now, my guest today, Mr. Jim Florentine, is a legendary comedian, actor, TV host, podcaster, author, and I mean, you've seen him on Crank Anchors, the show Louie, uh, the movies Beer League and Trainwreck, and of course, the co-host of that metal show. And he has a new stand-up comedy special out right now called Bite the Bullet, and you can watch that on YouTube for free. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, so you just scroll right down, click it, boom, it'll open right up. It should be free. It's professional quality HD video and sound and hilarious content. And to me, it's like very refreshing because I feel like so many comedians now are trying to be PC and fit in. And I think that's ruining comedy personally. And Jim is old school and he just says what he thinks. And I appreciate that a lot more. So I think it's more original and more unique. So, and of course it's just funny, you know, and we're going to discuss all this in the interview. Here you go. Jim Florentine. Okay, please welcome Jim Florentine to the Chuck Shoe Podcast. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for finally doing this. I've been I've been trying to get you for a couple of years now, but I I think you you did you recently switch PR people? Um, I don't. I did have one, but then I didn't have a publicist for a couple of years, and then I just wound up getting another one now. So. Oh, okay. Do you like doing a lot of podcasts though, or do you try to be more selective? I don't care. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, if I got nothing to promote, then it's like, you know, I don't. But when I got something to promote, yeah, it's always good to do. Yeah, let's talk about the new special. I, I watched this. I watched a little bit last night, and then I finished it today. It's so refreshing to – I love that you're not woke. It's so – it's like – which some people would say, oh, that's like old school. But I almost feel like that's like refreshing in a way. Look, I've been a nightclub climate for a long time. I've never changed. I still like the same music. I liked when I was a kid. I, I, so it's like, to me, I'm like, I don't have to change with the times and people that are o- always offended, the so-called, you know, on social media, they never come to the comedy clubs anyway. So like, I never even, they don't even, they're not even across in my thought in my mind. You know, right. I do, and they're not coming to the comedy clubs now either. Like everyone, it's just some joke that gets out there that people would never come to a comedy club that have no sense of humor that don't understand stand up that get offended. So I just always been doing my thing and I'm just like, and people, people, you know, even more so these days love coming to the clubs and hearing someone that's saying something that's a little edgy because they're so sick of walking around on eggshells, worrying about what they can laugh at and what they, what they can't and what they could say. No, totally. And like, and like you said too, I think you said in another interview that the people, people do their homework now. So like they know what to expect. They're not just going to walk into your show. Like they would do, Oh, who, you know, they're either going to have known you from previous things or they watch a couple clips before and see what you're like. Yeah. Before we just get like a bunch of like bachelor parties or bachelorette parties, you know, 12 girls, you know, with, you know, goofy, you know, stuff on the head and lights and all that sit right in the front and not don't research the comic. Like, Oh my God, this is horrible. <laughs> offensive you know we yeah. get that all the time they will leave halfway through the show and all that stuff but that doesn't really happen that much anymore yeah no that's that's a good thing i mean do you find it's easier to to headline now and stuff too with the, with all this youtube and everything people can find you a lot more and like i said like research the clips and stuff yeah definitely i mean it's um 
it's great exposure if you could figure out a way to get your stuff out there where people could see it, you know. That's always potluck, but it's, it, you know, you could just promote yourself and do it all yourself, which is great. Yeah. So how did you, um, did you know, when you try to shop this special or did you just, you were originally just decided I'm putting this on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, that's what all the comics are doing now. If you can't get a Netflix special, which, you know, they only give it out to a certain few, which is fine. But, uh, so you just put it on YouTube, you know, finance it yourself. And then, you know, you got more people watching it than if you do, you know, if you, people could rent it on Amazon prime or something like that. Like my last few specials are on there. You put it out free on YouTube, you'll get more people to see it. So, yeah, that's true. Now. Yeah. I, I can't believe, like, even Mark Norman. I think he's one of the biggest comics right now. He couldn't get a, ne- a Netflix special, right? Didn't he? Didn't he? His go on uh, YouTube as well, or like yeah, Sam Morrill and yeah, yeah. So all you know, Shane Gillis just released his on there, and uh, yeah, that's the that's the way people are doing it now, and and that's fine, you know, because then you don't have to worry about editing out jokes and. The network, well, uh, that's a little too racy. Don't take that out. So, yeah, and YouTube, they do. I mean, they they pay okay for like views or whatever. I think so. I don't know the exact formula with that, but um, you know, at this point, it's like I want people to see it, and then and then we'll go from there, and hopefully, they come to the clubs, you know, and you you'll sell more tickets. And then, how does that work? Like, are you going to do some of the bits from this special in your routine when you tour, or? Do you just, is that you did that material and now you're doing totally different stuff? Well, you got to build up a whole new set. So, you know, uh, you got to basically start from scratch once it comes out. So you just, you know, slowly work in new material, pick out all the material, you know, until you are at the point where you're not doing any of that stuff anymore. So that will be hopefully soon, but that that's always what I always like doing that. Just building. It's almost like a band, like, okay, mm-hmm. let's go back in the recording studio and start from scratch because we're going to do a new record. So that's got to be exciting for them. Yeah. But do you, do you do some bits that are just like your greatest hits or whatever? Like do you do, I mean, cause I think you'd probably do like, I've never seen you live, but you do like, do you do special ed or stuff like that? Like just that are. Not really, because it's, it's weird. Like a comic, they never want to hear the same bit twice or three times, mm-hmm. you know, unlike a band who they want, they want the same songs every night that hits, but it's kind co- Comics like, oh yeah, I saw that material last time you were here. They'll remember it's familiar. They're familiar with it, so that's why you got to always come up with new stuff, which I like doing. It's a lot harder, but it, you know, I, I like that challenge. Mm-hmm. No, it's really cool. Are, now, are you gonna? Um, I think when I checked your website, you only had one show booked. Are you gonna do like now a tour to kind of help promote this? No, nah, because you you know you don't do it like a band because a band will promote their new album and do a lot of new songs off the record. So you don't really go out there to promote a special that you just put out because people, don't, once they watch it, they don't want to hear the same exact jokes when you go out and perform. True. So I have some stuff coming up. It's just not on my website right now. You know, so I'm yeah. always on the road touring. That's good. Yeah. Not for a comic. Yeah. I just recently saw your buddy Don Jameson and uh, I think that was in, it was in Nashville this summer and uh, I'd never seen him and I was like, oh, he's freaking great. Like, I, I need to see you guys, but I need to see you now. Oh yeah, we me and Don usually tour together. No, he's great too, man. Oh, like, do you guys never, tour together? That'd be amazing. Yeah, we do a lot of shows together. Yeah, we'll probably come to Nashville at some point. Okay. No, yeah, I, I live in Phoenix, but I was just, I was oh. down there for an event. Do you come to Phoenix a lot? Yeah, I do the the House of Comedy in Phoenix. Oh, I love that, that one. Comedy club out there. Yeah. So I hope I haven't been out there since the lockdown, since the pandemic, but I should <sighs> be out there sometime soon. Okay. Yeah, I love, so your story is like, because you obviously are a big music fan and your brothers got you into music and then you realize you're kind of like me quickly. Well, I don't know how long did you last? Did you actually give it a shot with trying to play before you figured I can't do this? 
yeah, while well, I was a lefty and all my friends were righty a guitar to like go, can you teach me to like, well, you got to turn the guitar around to play righty. And I couldn't play righty. And like, well, I don't know how to play lefty, but I didn't have an ear for music. I just didn't have it. I tried singing. I tried playing guitar, tried drums, but it just didn't work out for me. So then I started DJing, you know, like in like rock clubs, be like the heavy metal DJ, mm-hmm. DJ business. I was on the radio, local radio. And then eventually I fell in the sand up. Cause I was like, I, you know, cause of Sam Kinison, like, right. And, uh, and Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah, those two, you know, as soon as they were like, you know, you see like these guys are like rock stars. So, um, and I always wanted to be my own boss. I wasn't good at listening to people. And then when I got on like regular radio after college, I was on these local stations. They were always like, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. I'm like, I can't deal with this. Yeah, no, I used to work in education. That's freaking really bad because you can't say anything in front of kids. So then you have to like change like your it's really hard to censor yourself as a grown man. No, I know. It's like, I don't feel like it. I'm, you know, I've always just, uh, you know, I wanted to do it on my own and not, not listen to anybody. Right. But so when you got into standup, I, I heard you say that you, you had stage fright and it took you a year, a year to get on stage. So how did you bring yourself to do it? Alcohol or what did you use as a. No, I just figured at some point I'm going to have to do it. Yeah. I was always shy, you know, so especially when I have to do get in front of the class in high school or college, I would always be like, oh man, I was dreading public speaking. But then I just got to the point of, like, I just got to do it at some point. I'm like, because I was DJing. So, you know, usually you're in a DJ booth, so you're mm-hmm. kind of hidden. But then when I started doing like weddings and parties, I had to be out there. I'm like, all right, I just got to get over this. Okay. So once I once I went on stage, I'm like, all right, I got, you know, I had a lot of fear of me and stuff. But once you get that first laugh, it's worth it. You're like, oh, it's like, you know, it's like, oh my God, that's a, it, that felt amazing to get a laugh. And then you're addicted to it. Right. So even though there was some groans and some jokes fell flat, just one laugh was enough to like, I got, you're like chasing that. Yeah, exactly. It was almost like getting high for the first time. You know, I got that one laugh the first time I went on stage. I didn't get it. And I was, that is like, oh man, I could build off of that. That's awesome. So now, like, like we were saying earlier with the woke stuff, like now how does that work with other comedians? Cause so, I feel like so many other comedians are woke. Do you get along with other comedians or do they, are they ever offended by stuff that you say? Cause like you must, you know, perform when you do open mics and stuff with a bunch of other like comedians of totally different styles and things. I don't pay attention to what I do shows in New York with a bunch of comics that are, you know, more liberal and stuff like that. We usually don't, I don't know. Like we don't usually watch each other's comedy sets. Like we're just hanging out, whatever. So we're around comedy so much or we're not, uh, you know, I don't watch other, really watch other comics. I'm like, I'm bored with it. I'm more focused on my own stuff, but I really don't care. Like if someone doesn't is a comic that doesn't agree with what I say too bad. Maybe I don't agree with what they say, but I don't give a shit what they do. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. I never worried about that. Like what other comics are going to think. No, and that's I say my special. I did that. I don't live in Hollywood, so I don't care. I'm not trying to play their game. Right, right, right. Yeah. Cause it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't affect me in one, one, one in the least. But you must have some relationships with, uh, with some of these comedians, like, cause Amy Silverberg, uh, you had, you were in her show and her movie and stuff. So Schumer, Amy Schumer, or what did I say? <laughs> Silverberg. So that's another New York com- or LA comedian. Sorry. Well, yeah. Sarah Silverman. Yeah. I know Sarah too. I did. No, I'm friends with all of them. I got a lot of, you know, I, I got a lot of conservative friends. I got a lot of liberal friends, uh, you know, comics and just in, in general life. We just don't, you know, you don't bring that stuff up and you know, they, they don't tell me what to say and I don't tell them what to say in their act. That's good. Yeah. Cause I feel yeah. like, 
I like hearing different. So I don't want everyone to be the same. I want to hear different. That's what I feel like the problem with was com, with comedy now. That's why I like yours because it's it's something different, you know. But I want I want everything. I want all every comedian should be different. I feel like there's too many comedians that are just they're like a parroting the other comedians, and it's it's confusing to me. I that's exactly that's why I never. I just did my went in my own path. I just did it what I thought was funny. And I wasn't listening. At, at, at times, you were supposed to be really clean to try to get on TV. I'm like, no, that's not my thing. I just pretty much stuck to what I like doing, what I think is funny, and not worried about that stuff. So, no, right. you never want to follow another. You know, you could be inspired by a comic like, you know, Andrew Dice Clay, mm-hmm. and Candace, when I first started. But, you know, for other comics to watch what the top comic is doing, well, I need to do that. Then you're just, you know, a watered down version of them. Exactly. Yeah. Is there anybody that you, that you think is like a really good comedian right now? Like, who do you think are some of the best comedians out there right now? Well, you know, of course, Bill Barr, he's one of my favorites. <sighs> yeah. Cause he doesn't care either. He just takes chances up there and he's like too bad. You know? So, <laughs> so why that. is he not canceled? How does he got, how does he not get canceled? Yeah, you know, cause it's like, so we get to take a, a, a minute bit out of his routine and say, Hey, this guy can't have anything. And, you know, he's not some, you know, he'll do some TV and movie roles and stuff like that, but he's not like all in in Hollywood, hanging out at Hollywood parties. He's a stand-up comic at heart, you know, performing in clubs and just slinging it out, like just working it through. So, um, no, I just love it because he takes chances. He doesn't care. No, he's great. He's definitely one of my favorites too. Um, so Nick Apollo was another one. Who? Nick Apollo. Oh yeah. 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 He's great. He doesn't care. Yeah, guys that don't care that to me, you know, to just push you, Doug Stanhope, another one, you know, so those well, are guys that I, I kind of like Jim Norton is another one. Yeah. You guys are buddies, right? Yeah. 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 yeah and then like Howard Stern, I mean, that, that was like a guy that helped you kind of, uh, helped your career a lot, right? That, that helped kind of get you in the limelight. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. It was, uh, he totally made my career. So. Oh, you say you feel like he made your career. Yeah, without a doubt, when I went on that show, because, you know, it was pretty much unknown, and then I got on there, and I got all this exposure. How did he find you? Was he a fan of your comedy? Um, You know, one of the producers, Casey Armstrong, was one of the guys I was friends with, and he saw me at a comedy club. He's like, dude, your stuff is good. You know, I'm going to see if I can get you on the show. So I just gave him a bunch of my material, my comedy, and my prank calls, and they presented it. Like, oh, this guy's funny. Let's have him in. So basically, it just worked like that. Oh, did, and then did that lead to Opie and Anthony, or were you already on that one? No, I was on Stern show, and then later on, I went on Opie and Anthony's show. Yeah, that's another big one. That's 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 great. That's interesting. But now it feels like radio is just kind of dying out. It's like the podcast game is the big thing right now. Yeah, I mean, it's hardly you know. There's a few around the country, like morning radio shows that still do pretty well. But yeah, that's not the formula now. Like Joe Rogan is like the new Howard Stern. Yeah, on Joe Rogan, and then. You go on there a few times, then you're a star. Yeah, you got to you got to be on Rogan, and uh, it was like 2015. But I, I was listening to some of that, and it was is great. I I'm a fan of Rogan. Are you a fan of Rogan? Oh yeah, I love Rogan. Yeah, he's a great guy. He takes care of comics, you know, and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, he's a good dude. And yeah, I did his. I'm not. I don't know him that well. You know, when he started, he would. You know, he originally started comedy in Boston, and then he came to New York, and he was only in New York for maybe like two years before he got news radio back in the day. So then he went to LA oh. New York based guy. So I work with him a little bit and then I would see him out in LA and all that stuff. We got a lot of mutual friends. So, but it was great going on his podcast. Yeah. No, that's another guy that, and I, I don't even say, cause he called people say that he's a right wing nut, 
but he claims to be a liberal. I think he's kind of in between, but he's just, it's like a different voice. You know what I mean? It's like somebody being independent. They don't like anyone. Either side doesn't like anyone that might say something that doesn't agree with them. Right. It drives people crazy. You have to take that one side and that's it and never criticize anything from that side. Yeah. That's he takes both. He takes both sides and it gets people mad. It's like, whatever, who cares? Like now all of a sudden you can't have an opinion anymore. Right. But so don't you think there's a voice? I mean, there's a, there's an audience for that kind of voice because he's, the, I think he's the number one podcaster. He's up there. Oh, he's definitely the number one. He's been number one for a long time. Yeah. I mean, you know, people listen to the show understand. It's just like, you know, he's in the news every day because, you know, to take like two lines that he said out of his podcast and go, can you believe he said this? Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. So tell I, when I had Don Jameson on here, it was so funny. He was telling me the story about how you guys, when you first got that metal show, how you and him were just like fucking around and like joking and shit. And Eddie trunk was like, you guys stop it. You're going to blow this for me. Like, is that your recollection of that too? Um, uh, yeah, well, you know, he was like, you know, try to be a little, you know, when we go in for a meeting to try to get this show, you know, don't be pulling pranks and, and doing, you know, silly stuff, but kind of be professional, even though we weren't because we're <laughs> ball busters. So he's like, look, I haven't in there. We know people there. So just, you know, behave. We were like two children, <laughs> you know, but that's what they liked about us. VH1. They're like, Hey, these guys are ball busters. They'll fuck around. They didn't, you know, they want to kind of like a loose show. Yeah. So, uh, that's why it, it wound up working. Yeah, no, I love, and I love like, there's so many clips of you and Don, like on these like local TV stations, just fucking with the TV. <laughs> Do you rehearse those ahead of time or is it just all off the cuff? No, it's kind of, we just have an idea. All right, let's, we don't know how it's going to go because they have to react. So yeah, we always just trying to do that. We do a lot of prank calls like terrorizing telemarketers, yeah. telemarketers. We got a bunch of those too. We'd work actually working on a new record now. Actually oh. still doing it. So, but yeah, we're just good at, I don't know. We're just, we got the same sense of humor and we're just good at, uh, you know, if you're from New Jersey, this, the East coast, that's what you do. You just bust balls. That's how you, you know, when you grow up, that's, that's all you know. Do you think that that's kind of missing in this generation though? I feel like, um, you can't do that. It's like, they, they call it like bullying now. And it's like, now it's like, you can't, you're not being sensitive and like, you can't bust anybody's balls. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a fine line because there is bullying, obviously. Sure. But there's a fine line where it's, you know, I always say it's like our, our weird way of showing you affection. That means we like you. Like if you walk in the room and you're wearing a bad right. shirt, we're going to make fun of the shirt for like 10 minutes. That means we like you. If we don't say anything, then we're, we're indifferent. Exactly. So that's a weird way of showing affection instead of a hug. Like, yeah. So, and, and once you can get it, I think it makes you tougher, but look, there is a fine line of bullying. you don't sure. want to make fun of somebody and, you know, and it's when it's mean spirited and stuff like that, but just a regular ball, but, but a lot of people take it the wrong way. The younger generation doesn't understand it. They never came up with it. Right. So it's like, yeah. Cause to me, it's like your intent. I mean, if you're just, if it's your friend and you're just trying to, like you said, bust balls, that's different than if I just walk up to someone I don't know and I'm trying to like make them feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Everything is, but like I said, I just like performing in, in comedy clubs. You could say what you want. You could do what you want. You could dress the way you want your own boss and nobody really cares what you say. Yeah. People are walking out, they're not offended. So that's what I focus on. No, that's so great. Well, I was going to. All stuff is just like noise to me. It's like, whatever, I don't just ignore it. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you too, when you and Don do those things on, on like the morning TV, how do you not laugh? 
Cause I'm like just cracking up. Like, like how do you keep a straight face? Cause Don's like playing the straight man a lot of times. And, and well, you both are, you're both kind of like playing it seriously. That's what makes it so funny. Cause you're not smiling. The host is laughing like awkwardly usually or nervously. And you guys just play it straight. Because if, well, yeah, I don't know. We just good at holding it in and, and you know, because if you start laughing, then the joke is over. They know you're messing with them. Exactly. So we always play like, nah, you know, it's same with our prank calls. We're just trying to get the information. I don't know, you know. So, uh, yeah, we're just good at, I don't know, for some reason. It, you know, because when you're a ball buster and you're making people uncomfortable, you, it, once you laugh, it's over. Yeah, no, so. it's that's genius. That's what I love about that. I think that's what makes it is you guys, you guys don't laugh. And it's no, like, they're no. trying to laugh and they're like, you're joking, right? And then you guys just keep, you stay with it. And didn't you get kicked off of one of the TV, escorted out of one of the TV yeah, stations? That, yeah, that was the one where, you know, they told us, <laughs> the guy that brought us in there from the comedy club, he goes, look, this is a family show. So, you know, just be, be nice. Don't be too controversial, you know, because it's a family show. It's one of those local morning things. It was in Kansas City. I said, yeah, no problem. And then we go, hey, let's do this thing where, you know. You pretend like you slept with my fiance. Let's kind of just wing it <laughs> and bring it up somehow. And then it, it, we just go from there. We don't know how it's going to go, where we can fit it in the interview, you know, so, but we got it in. No, that yeah, was. And then they were really mad afterwards. Oh. Yeah. They were like, okay, you can come this way. And they just like took our mics off and just basically just walked us out of the building. Cause the guy from the comic club was still in there. He was looking for us. And he comes out like 10 minutes later. He goes, he's first, he's yelling at us. What's wrong with you guys? He's like, where were you? I go, they escorted us out. So we just waited outside. We knew we couldn't come back in. But that thing's got a lot of hits on YouTube. So I think it was worth it. Oh, yeah. Well, it was always worth it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the local morning radio show played it the next day and stuff. You know, it was a big thing. Oh, that's awesome. You So you, I, I forget, you're, you did a cameo or you have a, ro- a small role in uh, one of my favorite movies, Beer League. Yeah. Tell me about working on that movie because I think that's such an underrated, great flick. There's so many good lines in that movie. Yes. It really is. I know. It's so funny. I mean, look, I'm, I'm good friends with Artie Lang, and I grew up in New Jersey, so did Artie, and Artie played softball, beer softball, and so did I. And yeah. we used to always talk about it. So when they wrote the script, he's like, oh, man, I got to get you in this movie somehow. You know, so, uh, yeah, I wound up playing the catcher, and I was in about two or three scenes. So it was great. I loved doing it, you know. And, uh, th- yeah, just, and that's like the East Coast. You know, you got the hot girlfriend. They, they're hanging out in the stands watching the game, you know, and then you go to the local bar afterwards and you get drunk. It, just, it was perfect. <laughs> There's so, you're right. There's so many good lines. Like when he's in the diner and he's, he's doing the order and <laughs> I don't want to oh, give yeah. it away. People yeah. need to watch it though. I mean, I guess it's not, I guess again, it goes back to like, maybe it's not PC, but I think it's hilarious. No, it's great. No, and uh, people that, you know, saw the movie really liked it. And, uh, no, it's, it, you know, people like that kind of humor. They keep trying to force feed this, like, you know, this bullshit, you know, like nothing's edgy anymore down our throats. And people, you you see that, the, you know, the movies don't do well, the TV shows don't do well, I do that stuff. That's what's so interesting. I was trying to think, like, what is the funniest movie of even the last, say, 10 years? Like, if you try to ask people what's the funniest movie, like the last funny movie you saw, I feel like everything was like around from like 2010. People say like Tropic Thunder or The Hangover or like there hasn't really been that many great comedies in the last 10 years. If I see a movie like pops up on Netflix or wherever and it, it says like made in like 2020, 2021, I don't even watch it. I'm like, it's going to be terrible. It won't be, it won't be funny. It won't be edgy at all. So I don't even watch it. You should write a script or you and Don should write a script for a movie. Nobody's going to take it. Really? 
Yeah, why would they? But there's so many. Who's going to make that movie? You think Hollywood's going to make that movie where we're busting balls and, and saying inappropriate stuff? No, but isn't there a lot of independent companies out there now that are doing no. stuff like no, but there nobody, should be taking a chance. But see, that's what I'm saying. If somebody does, I feel like it's going to it's going to go through the roof. Yeah, I don't know. Because there's a market for it. I'm not a screenwriter. I tell dick jokes on comedy <laughs> stages. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't know anything about that stuff. What about. OK, so crank angers. We got to talk about that. Um, special. Ed, that's obviously one of your most uh, famous characters. But and the other character, Bobby Fletcher, the alcoholic slob. Is that character based on you in real life? I'm not an alcoholic, but I'm definitely a slob, and I could burp. I'm rude and <laughs> I'm rude and ignorant, and that's what the character is. That character basically comes from my uh, my prank call CDs, terrorizing telemarketers, where I'm just you know obnoxious and rude, and I'll be burping or whatever like that. So I just changed the name, but that's basically me with a different name, a character name. Right. And so I, I'm always fascinated by how you guys get the people because don't you have to call back and ask for permission to to use the recording? Yeah. So how, what's the percentage of how many people say, no, you can't use that? I think it's like, I don't know. Cause I don't do the callbacks. They have oh. people at comedy central do it at some point. They don't call right. Maybe they won't call right back. I, I heard it's like around 90%. They'll give permission. Oh, okay. So that's not bad. But so, and if they didn't, then you would just do the same bit with a different person. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but you know, you have to get a reaction from them. It's, you know, the person on the other end is the star of the call. Because if they don't react to whatever you're trying to do or say, it's not a good call. So, you know, it's not that easy to recreate. You get that moment sometimes where it's perfect. Yeah, no, totally. It's so funny. I was reading your Wikipedia today and I, I, I just, I don't know how I missed this before, but it was like, it said in 2007, you appeared on an episode of The Apprentice doing your edgy stand-up comedy at a conservative charity event. He asked Trump's partner, George, if he wears a diaper. He has not appeared on The Apprentice since. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even know. Is that on my Wikipedia? Yeah, yeah. that was. It was no, like it's like sounds. It sounds like you wrote it or something. It's like it's like so funny. It was a live. Uh, it was like the last episode. I wasn't a big. I didn't watch The Apprentice, but I got booked on it. The guy. It was the live. I guess the last episode was always live. Okay. So um, the guy was doing a charity event who was left and a comedy charity event. So they had the cameras on us. I go like, listen, you know, you got to be clean. You know, it's a lot of uh, you know uptight people, whatever like that. And George. Yeah, I guess the George is an old guy on there with his wife. He goes, he's going to be sitting in the front. So whatever you do, just don't pick on him. So just do your <laughs> jokes, but make sure to clean. I'm like, as soon as I heard that, and I'm like, live TV, please. So I went right at him as soon as I went up. Hey, is this guy, George, you're right here. Your wife, yeah. And I just asked him if he's wearing a diaper and all that stuff. And <laughs> they were cutting to the guy backstage. Go, I told him not to do it. What's wrong with him? Like yelling and stuff. I'm like, I don't care. It's almost I'm like yelling. when they tell you not to do something, you're, you're going to do it every time. Yeah, it's, it's something like that, and especially when I knew it was live. I'm like, I, and meanwhile, that guy George, he was laughing at the stuff. Like I knew he'd have a good sense of humor about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's cool. And then you did an episode of Californication. Were you? Are you a fan of that show? Because uh, I'm a huge. I've seen every episode of that show. That's a, such a great show. Yeah, I was, and the the creator of it was a big metalhead. So yeah, that's watched, right. So he always watched that metal show when I was out in California. And my manager set up a meeting with him, but we just sat and he's like, I'm going to come up with a role for you. You know, I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. And then I want to play in a pimp on the last season in an episode. I'm trying to remember which one that was. I'm going to have to rewatch that. But uh, yeah, that's cool. That's such a great show. I could, I could watch that like every, every day, just rewatch yeah, it. Great. 
yeah, it was, you know, and it was, uh, yeah, I love the show too, but I, yeah, I wound up doing the last season, whatever the last season was, I did an episode. So, yeah. But then the one I definitely remember was your episode. That's everybody has to remember this, the episode of Louie that you did. That was so memorable. That's one of my favorite episodes of that show. And I'm assuming now did Louie handpick you for that role? Well, you know, there was a prank phone call that Louie knew in mind where this guy was trying to sell me some toilet stuff or something, some septic stuff. And I said in the prank call, yeah, I got to, you know, have to take an upper decker in my toilet after I go to the bathroom at the top because uh, it's clogged or whatever like that. And Louie always thought that was so funny. He's like, man, I love that. That's so funny, the upper decker thing. And then, it, and then all of a sudden he's like, you know, it gets, you know, five, ten years later, he's like, I got a par for you in this, in my TV show. I wrote it just for you. And he's like, you know, I know you're on the road, so you notice annoying comic that's just a dick. You have to spare, you know, share a condo with. Can you play this guy? I go, yeah, because I've been that. I've been Louie in those situations where the guy's annoying, you know, when he's just, you know, bother me. I just want to hang out of my room and all that stuff. And then it, somehow Louie intertwined the upper decker thing into the scene, too. That's where I die. Yeah. No, that was. So wait, did you coin the phrase upper decker? No, I never did. It was around. Okay. Me and my friends used to always do it. We just go to, you know, take a dump in the top of the tank. Wait, you actually did this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> at who, like at someone's house or like at a, eh, at a house, house parties, Applebee's. <laughs> Dunkin Donuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. God, I, I miss that show. I know. Do you think Louie got kind of a raw deal that he got canceled? I don't. I don't. I mean, it's bad, but like, can we forgive him? Because I miss Louie. I miss that show. I miss his stand up. He's back doing stand up, right? Oh, yeah, they put a special out about a year ago, right? Like March 2020 it was unbelievable. Yeah. His website, he just filmed another one that's coming out soon. And he's up for a Grammy this year. So I think he's making a comeback. The Grammy's actually, you know, he's uh, submitted, for, he's up for one for Best uh, Comedy Album. I missed that show, though. That show, was that the. No, it was great. That was the last episode he ever did, was my episode. Yeah, so I was going to say, I think that was the last one. Damn. Yeah. And they can't bring you back because you die in the show. <laughs> But yeah, I know. I, and I don't know if he's ever going to do the show again, but I hope it gets back onto a, like a streaming platform. Yeah. You really can't find any. They took all of his stuff down, but they're starting to put his stuff back up. Okay. I yeah. know the HBO series. Lucky Louie is on is on Amazon Prime. Okay. So um, hopefully they'll put his FX series up somewhere. Oh, yeah. That's I, lo- I love that show because it was it was funny, but then also it was like it was super depressing at the same, it was like brilliant. Cause it was just so yeah. it's, it was how life is. Life is like, can be like really funny one minute and like super depressing and like sad the next. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That was great. Um, your podcast, everybody is awful. I, I heard you say, have you been doing that 11 years? Yeah. I've been doing it since 2000, I think 2011 I started. So it'll be coming up in 11 years. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Like that you, you got into the podcast game early then that's smart. Yeah, he always, uh, I don't know, a couple of comics were doing it at the time. And I was just like, you know what? Um, I think this might work. I, it might be able to build a, an audience and all that stuff. And it's been doing well. You know, I've been doing it for this long and stuff. I love doing it. It's fun. You just do it from your uh, your kitchen table too, right? Yeah, I mean, or I could do it on the road or whatever like that. But it's pretty much me just on the podcast for myself, just ranting about usually stupid people on social media and their dumb posts. Oh yeah, seriously. Okay. So let's talk about that with social media, uh, the selfies. You're not big on the selfies. My buddy, uh, just had a relationship fall apart. And he said, if you see a girl with like her Instagram is all selfies run. 
Well, that, I just don't like that word. I don't think anyone <laughs> over over 17 <laughs> should use that word. It's for like children. So just that word annoys me. You know, you could just go, hey, I don't want to take a picture. Here, just yeah. got nobody, like stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's like mental illness when you see someone's page and it's all just pictures of themselves up close that they took. It really is like there's something wrong with that person. It's yeah, it's interesting. And then like the other one that I see a lot of is uh is like the when you see the couples, the kissy faces and the posts about, "Oh, I love this person so much." I think every example, if I think back of every example of the people that overpost that kind of stuff, every time the relationship ends and it ends badly. Of course, and then all of a sudden all the pictures are scrubbed away and they're usually just trying to the guy is basically saying, hey, this is my girlfriend. Don't leave her alone. Like, hey, don't try to sleep with her behind my back because we're together. And then the girl or to trying to get back at an ex, you know, an ex oh. like, hey, I moved on. They know the ex is stalking them on social media, maybe under a different name or whatever. So they're going to go, hey, look, I found somebody new, you know, and, and, you know, this guy does shit with me. You know, he'll go pick apples. You wouldn't. <laughs> Picture them, you know, picking apples or some shit. Uh, do you, are you even on Facebook? Or I know you have an Instagram, but you're not real super active on that stuff. No, because it's just like I, you know, I just live my life, you know. So I was saying something. I had like a um, some like rock guys on my Christmas tree. I was telling this uh, on the radio show. They're like, "Yeah, oh, you have a picture of it on Instagram." I go, "No, why would I take a picture of my fucking Christmas tree and put it on Instagram?" You know, when I got to plug gigs or I got some comedy stuff yeah. or whatever, but it's like, I don't live my life online. I don't people, I don't think people are really going to give a shit. You know what I mean? Like people think that they really do care other people when they post their whole lives, you know, their vacation, you know, they got to document their whole vacation. I'm at the airport now and I take a picture of the airport <laughs> and on the plane, you know, and then at the hotel. Yeah, great. You know, and then they got to take a picture of their first drink. Great. Yeah, so yeah cause I never did that. I never took a plane and had a fucking drink on vacation. <laughs> well, no, and it, but it definitely can be useful for promoting like a special or something like that. I feel like that's kind of the point. I feel like maybe people just overpost, but like, yeah, it's good that you can let people, everyone know about your special and stuff like that. Then it makes sense. That, uh, yeah. And to promote, you know, comedy shows or whatever like that, promote yourself. Yeah. But as far as, you know, documenting my life, it's like, it's not that exciting. And anyone else that's posting their pictures, they're not exciting either. They think they might be. You know, when they, you know, someone cooks a meal at home and then they, you know, take a picture of it. Like, well, what do you want me to do with that? <laughs> well, and also it seems like people are following when social media started, you know, you had like a hundred or 200 friends or whatever, but now it's like people follow so many pages and like on Instagram, you see these people and they're following like 10,000 people. It's like, you're not going to see everybody's posts. And I'm sure you, even with your fault, you have however many followers you have, you have thousands like, do people even see all your posts because they're following so many other people? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that should, I don't know how that app works. It's crazy. I just, you know, I just keep it to a minimum. It's like my stuff, my Twitter and Instagram got hacked like uh, a few weeks ago and I didn't have it for a month. Oh, really? I, I, I didn't miss anything. I think I missed my friend posted a picture of his chili that he made in his crock pot. <laughs> That's it. Okay, so then what do you think about this metaverse? Have you have you followed this at all? My, I have a couple of friends that say this thing is going to be the next biggest thing. And it kind of scares me because I feel like social media is already a little bit of an escape from reality. And this thing would be, you know, a full on like you're you're totally removed from reality. I don't even know what that is. Oh, really? 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Facebook has now changed their name to Meta and they're starting this thing called the Metaverse. And it's basically like they, they call it like the Internet 2.0 or whatever, where you would you put on these like it's like virtual reality. I think you put on the goggles and stuff and then you go in and like they're saying like, oh, you know, you would go to a movie with your friends in the Metaverse. I'm like, this makes zero sense. Wouldn't you just go to a movie with your friends in real life? I don't understand the difference. So wait, so you put the glasses on, then the, the other friends have to put the glasses on too? So the like they're in their homes and you're in your home, but then you guys are like in this metaverse together, like, and you can hang out and watch a movie or you can go to a sporting event or a concert or, you know, because I think it started with the pandemic. Everybody's doing things online and on Zoom and stuff. And this would be like, it's like 3.0, it's like virtual reality where you have the goggles and so then you can move and it's like 3D. I, I don't know. The virtual reality stuff's been around for so long. Like they always thought it was going to take off and it never has. And this thing sounds stupid. It's not going to take off either. That's what I gonna, thought. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to go to a Slipknot concert with my friends by putting a pair of glasses on <laughs> and sitting at my kitchen table. I want to be at the fucking show. Right. Yeah. You, it's totally different experience. Like, you know, even like watching a football game on TV and being at a football game. I mean, that is completely different. I don't think they can recapture that with virtual reality. No, they're just trying to do something different because people leave in Facebook and droves. You know, instead of trying to change it up and seeing how it can keep people from maybe, you know, who knows? Yeah. So, I mean, you like going to concerts, but you're also like, you have these rants. What are some of your concert annoyances? You said people recording with phones, people with big heads. What else? Well, especially with the phone. You know what I mean? They got the phone up right in front of you and you're trying to see. And I got to look through this guy's phone to see the stage. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, you know. You're filming Don't Stop Believing when Journey's doing on the encore. It's like, okay, what are you going to do with that? You're going to bring it to the construction site the next day? Oh, you got to, <laughs> you want to see Journey play on my, my shaky phone? Right. You know, I was drunk and I was in the friggin' 80th row. We're like, no, there's better footage on YouTube, professionally shot. Uh, so, you know, so that drives me nuts. Everybody's got their phone in the air. I'm like, oh, do you want to get a quick picture, a quick video? Just get it and put your phone down. Yeah, no, some people will literally hold, I think like, doesn't their arm get tired from they're holding it? Like maybe they need a helmet or something. Cause they're like, some people will just literally hold their phone the entire show. I, I feel like their arm would get tired after a while. I don't know how they do that. It's dumb. I, I, you know, I've been to a bunch of shows. I'm not going to, you know, uh, record a song and then watch it the next day and tell my friends, oh man, you got to watch this. They weren't there. It's not the same feel. Right. Totally like different. To, it's like the guy to post a picture of his steak at the steak restaurant and po- puts it on Facebook. It's like, okay. I'm not going to write, mmm, because I'm not there. I can't taste that stage, so that means nothing to me. <laughs> what about people who sing at concerts? Like, does that, because I'm guilty of that. I Sometimes I'll sing along. I just can't help it. Like, I just get so into the music, I start singing along. I got no problem with that. Absolutely. I'll sing along, too. Yeah. No, that's no problem. Even if people want to dance, I'm not a dancer, obviously. But that's fine. If you move into the music, you're into it. Yeah. No, I was at, uh, I saw John Karabi a couple nights ago. He was doing kind of like a storyteller's thing. And people were like literally talking during his story. I was like, why did you come to the concert if you're going to have a conversation? That one makes no sense to me at all. And Karabi's really funny, man. Yeah. He's funny, man. He could be a comic. Yeah. That, no, that's interesting because you. I think I heard you say that that was kind of one of your inspirations was, was D. Snyder with his little quips and stuff like in between songs. Yeah. Well, you know, when Twisted Sister, before they made it, they would play in the club scene and you know, in the area where I lived in Jersey and stuff. And they would have to do like four sets a night. So it was a lot of time. So D would just do these rants for like 10 minutes. You know, so the band would take a break or whatever like that. He'd just be up there in between songs and, you know, making, 
making the audience laugh. I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. I was like 15 sneaking in the bars watching. It was great. That sounds amazing. Um, is there any yeah. music that you're listening to, like any current new bands or current albums that you're listening to right now that you're loving? Um, the latest D- Dirty Honey record. I like those guys. Oh, out yeah. of California, young band. They just opened for the Black Crows, and now they're going to open for um, uh, Mammoth. Oh, the yeah. Yeah, they're on the tour with it. With they're going to start up in like a month or so. Okay, yeah, I need to see them. I saw Mammoth open for Guns N' Roses, and I was like, you know, I was like, kind of heard some of their songs on the radio. This is pretty good. They're really good live. They're actually like, they sound great. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see them on that, so I want. I'm going to see that tour. And um, I don't know what what else. There's a band Blackberry Smoke I like. They're more like Southern rock. Yeah, I heard you talk about that on that metal show. That was the first time I I think I heard about that band that you introduced me. I was like, oh, these guys are really good. They're good songwriters. It's almost like Leonard Skinner meets like Black Rose, Tom Petty. I like that kind of stuff too. But then also I love, you know, heavy stuff like Slipknot, Hatebreed, Fear Factory. I like stuff like that too. How do you find music now? Because I feel like in a, in a way it's so easy because there's, there's so many outlets with YouTube and social media, but then it's like so flooded. It's like, how do you sort through all the crap to find the good stuff? I don't really search it out. Sometimes I saw Dirty Honey at some festival last year or two years ago on like a small stage. I'm like, oh. these guys are good. So I don't really search it out. I'm not looking. I got so much music to listen to anyway. I love going back and listen to old stuff. So, you know, if a, if a band pops on my radar, somebody tells you about them, I'll check them out. So that's just how it usually works. Yeah. And, and you and I are both big Steel Panther fans. Oh yeah. These guys are great. Yeah. That's like, that's like the, and it's funny. Cause I was like, dude, I, I'm like worried they might get, I hope they don't get canceled. Cause I love, they are so not PC, but I feel like, again, it goes back to, if you know what you're getting in for, then you would expect it. They won't. There's no way they will. Cause they, you know, they got their built in audience already and the, the people like get it and understand what they're doing are not offended and stuff. So that they, they won't, they'll be around for a while. Those guys are great though. I've been seeing them for years, even before they got big. They used to play every Monday night at the Key Club. It was yeah. not the Key Club. It might have been. Uh, no, you're, yeah, it was LA. the Key Club. I think you're right. Okay, yeah, every every Monday night. I used to, when I was ever in LA, I'd ask, like, you got to go to this. Yeah, I used to go see them in Vegas. They used to play the House of Blues. It started out every Saturday. It was, or every other Saturday or something, uh, what, third Saturday, whatever it was. And it was it started out free. And then it was like $20. Now it's like, you have to pay a full concert ticket. But yeah, when it was free, it was amazing. And then the funny thing about them is like, my girlfriend probably gets sick of it. But I, I like to go because every time it's a different show. Like, I don't know how they yeah. do it, but they, every time they come up with new shit, I'm like, I don't know if it's just, they're making it up as they go or they script it every night or what, but it's hilarious. No, they're great, man. I, I you know, it was the first time like that I saw it when I would see them in LA on a Monday night, like there was hot girls at the show and that was missing in rock music for so long. Mm-hmm. Like all the metal and the rock shows, the girls just weren't into it. Young girls like now it was back in the eighties. They all were. And I saw Steel Panther. I'm like, man, they're actually bringing hot girls to a show instead of just a bunch of dudes like every other concert I go to. So that's what I really liked about them, too. And the girls that went understood it was a joke and thought it was funny, you know? Right. Yeah. No, it's tough. Because, I mean, in real life, I think that singers like married and stuff. It's all just a joke. It's like that's what I don't think people understand is like it's a joke. It's funny. That's what comedy is. The intent is not to hurt people. It's to make people laugh. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I've been a fan of those for those guys for a long time. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Well, I know you got to get going here, so I'll wrap this up. Um, there was a charity and I now oh, it's something about a suicide charity that you uh, want to promote here at the end. Uh, American foundation for suicide prevention. 
Okay. That's a, you know, good one for anyone that's got uh, some problems and stuff like that. So. Okay. I'll put that in the notes along with your website and um, the special, it's called Bite the Bullet, I believe. Is that the name of it? Yeah, Bite the Bullet. It's Bite the Bullet? Song. Yeah, it's, it's free. Song. Yeah. What's that? It's a Motorhead song called Bite the Bullet. Yeah, yeah, it's and uh, it's free on YouTube, so there's no reason why people shouldn't watch it. It's great, and it's I like too that it's like you didn't go too long. It's like 45 minutes. It's like perfect. That's it. You know, it's I, sometimes I'll do an hour in a club, but it's like 45 minutes is fine. That's, yeah, that's really what like a headliner in a comedy club does is 45 minutes. So I don't need to babble on for an hour and a half. Just keep it short, tight, and to the point. It's youtube.com slash Jim Florentine comedy. It's there for free to watch. Yeah. And then they can subscribe to your YouTube channel and you have clips of it too. So they can get a sample if they aren't ready to watch yeah. the full thing. Yep. Very exactly. cool. Well, thanks so much for doing this. I look forward to seeing you. If you could hit Phoenix at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be out there soon. Yeah. yeah. I'll bring some friends. Cause I know a lot of people, like I said, that would be, would really enjoy your comedy. Be refreshing. I would love to, man. I was, uh, I Phoenix is a great market for comedy. I've been going out there for years. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Ben. I'll see you later. All right. So there you go. Jim Florentine. The special is called Bite the Bullet. Just click the link in the show notes and subscribe to Jim's YouTube channel. And while you're on YouTube, if you could hit the subscribe button for me, if you're watching this video, it should be easy. Uh, But there's a link as well. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel and that really helped me out. And if you hit that bell on YouTube, you'll be notified of new episodes that I have coming up. I plan to have lots of great interviews in 2022. I'm going to take this show to the next level and YouTube is going to be the focus. I'm really going to try to increase the visuals and, uh, and that portion of the show. Uh, you can follow both Jim and I on social media as well, and you'll get good solid content from both of us, not an overabundance of selfies. So thank you to Jim for doing the show. Thank you to all of you for listening. Have a great rest of your day and remember to shoot for the moon. 